I am your host, Raquel Ark, an American podcasting from Germany, and this is Listen In. Join this series of conversations with inspiring scientists, leaders, and authors about listening as a surprising superpower that is not always as easy as it seems. Believe me, I know, and I've been learning and will continue to learn, and I hope that this podcast will help you find practical ways to help others listen better while you become better at leading people, catalyzing collaboration, transforming conflict, building trust and engagement, And I'll tell you, when really good listening happens, then the entire group, including you, can feel energized and inspired. So sit back and enjoy listening beyond what we typically think of. How do you build trust with your customers when you are in tough negotiations? Dr. Jurgen Scherer shares how to partner in conversations for a win-win win situation. He shares his experiences from working over 30 years in executive positions for global corporations, mostly in sales, marketing, and in supply chain management. Since 2018, he is a consultant and coach with BXB Exchange. He is teaching at various business schools in Europe and the U.S., as well as researching and writing about organizational development. Enjoy listening in. Welcome, Jürgen, to the Listen In podcast. It's great to have you. Thanks for having me. Welcome, Raquel. I'm curious about our conversation, and I know that you've had a lot of business experience also when it comes to negotiating and in sales and in all different areas of business leadership. But before we go there, I wanted to ask you, When did you first really start to notice the power of listening, whether it worked or it didn't work? Yeah, I think um, I really consciously recognize it for the first time. It is indeed in, in such a context you have been describing. I've been throughout my career in a lot of relationship roles, I call it. I was always fascinated and I'm still fascinated about the the market connections of companies, the interaction on the upside and the downside of the business supplier interaction, the customer interaction. This is where I spent most of my my time in, in my business career. And we developed a lot of training activities and it was an in one of the very first training activities we developed at the time uh, with Henke for purchasing and supply chain people that we had an, an outside consultant who helped us to develop the training program, although it was in-house and was kind of part of a, of a training academy, that the gentleman came in and gave us a little bit of perspective of what's important in relationship management and negotiation. And he he referred to one reference out of many, which I found out later on, with regards to listening. And that's uh, the famous book by Stephen Covey, The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. And um, number five, I don't know if there is a particular reason for, for the order, I would argue it was certainly not the fifth most or, or least important of, of the seven is actually related 
to listening and it is seek first to understand then to be understood and around this we had a whole session developed on listening which we can talk a little bit more about and that i think was the very first moment where it was kind of an eye-opening experience for me to realize the importance and the significance of listening in in business relationships. Mm-hmm. And so when, when, when this consultant said, you know, was basically talking about, act, about listening and brought up Stephen Covey's quote, you know, the seek first to understand and then to be understood. Did you guys actually um, practice that during that session? Or what, I guess my question is, what was the eye opener? What was it that really struck you? Yeah, absolutely. We developed or he developed many many actually exercises around that and the most interesting one is what is uh, what's called the orange quarrel and i'm not sure if i want to give it away in our conversation today because anyone who has not played that should play it without knowing up front what the outcome is so if you don't mind i, I won't give it away but i will describe briefly what it is and it's actually it's actually in one of the probably one of the best negotiation books by uh, two american professors uh, related to to harvard and to the harvard negotiation project uh, fisher and yuri william yuri is probably the the key reference and the plot is is simply and we played that with our participants in the training so Uh, Picture this, you have um, a seller who is basically selling and offering an orange. It's a real, a real example. You can have as an outcome of this negotiation, which then the rest of the group is observing, either a win-lose situation, you can have a lose-lose situation, or you can have a win-win-win situation. And that depends, I would say, to 80 or 90% on your listening skills. So if you were to translate that, because I know that you had, you um, in, your, in your career, you spent a lot of time probably negotiating um, and how listening, that was, that was an example that really opened your eyes to the importance of listening you know, that probably hit you, that really hit you hard. And then you're like, oh, wait, there's something there. And maybe you were already doing some of it, but then recognizing it and bringing it more to awareness and then being able to be more intentional in order to get the win-win-win um, solution where you say that, you know, the large percentage had to do with the listening piece or asking the right questions and listening to what the answers would be. So if you were to fast forward sometime after that, do you remember a moment where you were in a negotiation situation and it could, you know, I don't know if it was big or small, even negotiating salary could also be a negotiation situation where you really had this top of mind and you saw the impact of your listening in that negotiation process. Yeah, I think there, there are always aspects to that. I would maybe step for a moment aside and put what we are centering on for good reason, uh, centering on listening, 
and the importance in a negotiation and in developing a relationship. I, I want to put it in perspective, and, and I think it has been mentioned in some of the other conversations you had on your on your podcast. Obviously, listening is is a core element, and it's it's often overlooked. But it only makes sense, and it only is a component of moving forward and achieving something if it is in a sequence of activities. And I would I would generally say, and and there are a lot of feedback loops back and forth. It is a combination of asking, listening, connecting, and developing. And why do I say that? Because I have been in conversations, in many conversations actually, on, on the buy side, on the sell side, or maybe in another negotiation context within the business relationships where there's where there is constant asking and listening, but there is no no following through. Hmm. So in other words, the listening and the related asking aspect is a precursor for getting further. And the getting further relates to trust. Everything in a relationship, not only in a business relationship, as we all know, is built on mutual trust. And this is where I believe the listening has has an enormous influence as a trust building factor and as a bonding factor between two parties and needs to be practiced and needs to be needs to be trained and therefore i i want to put the listening as a significant step in a combination of activities you need to do in order to develop relationships to negotiate with your business partners what you're saying is really, really important because to build trust and listening at the foundation of being able to build that trust to create that bonding is not something that just happens on one off time. That's something that happens over time. You know, that's what you're talking about, building the relationships. And so even even in the the negotiation process of what I loved what you said, asking, listening, connection and developing, even in that process um, of where you're working on a specific I don't know, project or situation or whatever, still before and after that whole relationship building is, or relationship, what did you call it, management, or however you want to call that, is so important that happens even before and after the actual negotiation or the actual sales or the actual whatever that you're focusing on, even using those four aspects. Yeah, and we often tend in these discussions, I think, to interpret a negotiation or a relationship situation in a business context as a as a kind of one off the reality is in and i've i've spent most of my business life in in b2b context and most people will uh, by the way because Although everyone is talking about the sexy B2C business world, and this is what you read most about, and this is what's taught very often on the, on the marketing and aspects at, at business schools, the reality is two-thirds of global trade is in business to business. And no wonder that uh, two-thirds of all of us 
going into the business side will end up one way or the other in a B2B context. And in a B2B context, what we are talking about is a process, a continuous process over days, weeks, months, years. And it is a constant coming back to conversations, to negotiations, to trust building steps, to relationship management. And how, back to the listening aspect, how do I keep going in this flow? I think it is, is very important to, to always link the listening, as we said earlier, to the, to the other steps which are important and to connect it with follow-up steps. And, and this is one thing I, I for example, always do. It's a, it's a very practical practical way of doing it. I'm very often in conversations after I have listened, try to do, I think sometimes uh, somewhere I read it's, it's the technique is called kind of reflective listening. So what I do is, is basically I'm trying to repeat in my own words, what I think I have heard. And why do I do that? I do that because I guess I, I convey through that, that I have made an effort of active listening Two, I try to give my partner in the conversation, the strong feeling and the strong feedback that I'm interested to really understand what she or he has been telling me. And third, I gain a little bit of time in that conversation, maybe to think about what could be next and what should be the follow-up of it. And that is often kind of a, a pause in that sequence of conversations over days, weeks, months, as I said earlier, you close out with that. You mutually agreed that what, in this case, I have heard and what I have understood has been confirmed by my partner in the conversation. You walk away with a couple to-dos and you come back the next time over the phone in a Zoom call, hopefully soon, more often again in personal and physical conversations. And you start exactly at that point. And that is what I would call trust building steps and in this relationship building management i was talking about earlier between companies you need permanently iteratively these trust building steps hmm. you know i was just thinking i just had a conversation earlier today with with someone who works for a, an organization that's growing really fast and um and there was this comment that they're so they're so busy that sometimes I'm not sure if people have time to think, right? Because we're so busy. And at the same time, when I hear you describe that and what you say is in this situation, it's not about sending or receiving. We're a partner. We're partnering in this conversation. And this partnering in this conversation where we're checking in to see if if we really understand each other. And then through that, there is a connection to action. And then we have a pause. 
for a little while. It could be a day, it could be a few hours, it could be a couple weeks, but there's a pause which gives time to think and to check things out or to do something, but it doesn't get lost because you come back to that point and then the, the partnering starts again. And that, that taking the time to understand each other just it's, it kind of slows the pace down a little bit, but keeps things moving forward where sometimes if we're so busy and we don't really listen to and check in with what each other is saying, then we kind of can, we can almost go backwards, right? <laughs> or we can have a misunderstanding and go in a different direction. So it keeps us on the same direction together. At least that's what I'm observing from what you're saying. Which you just did exactly the same. You did reflecting, reflective <laughs> listening to, to what I said. And, and this is a perfect example. You see, now I'm, I'm responding to that. And my response in this case is I'm confirming 100% that I believe you have understood the way I was trying to explain this to you. And, and we can... We can pause here, we can leave it, or we can build on. And this is the perfect example. We just did kind of subconsciously, you did subconsciously, what I was ex explaining. And, and I would 1000% agree with you. So many conversations, and we all know this, and we all have many, many examples in our personal lives, in our personal partnership relations, as well as on the business side were too quick rush through too much superficial conversation leads to massive misunderstandings massive misunderstandings i give you another example again one of those one of those training modules which we developed and and i have played this with many groups many different from different backgrounds different functions, different regions or cultural backgrounds. You build a chain of people, physically 10 people in a row, and you, you chair them basically behind each other. And you have a, a simple, let's say, two-sentence piece of information in a business context. And you give it to the number one person sitting on a chair and ask the person, to pass it on to the next person sitting in front. And this is played 10 times. And I have seen it over and over and over again. When it reaches person number 10, sometimes you don't even recognize what the original information has been. Hmm. Because what the people take away from it and pass on to the next one is always a little bit different and already coupled with their own thoughts and ideas, whatever. And the core of the information, which is, I mean, this is, we're not talking about a, a very complicated message here, gets manipulated and further manipulated. And when it reaches the final recipient, it doesn't look like anything it was at the beginning and again why does this happen because there's no check and balance in between yeah because people just take it and think oh i need to rush i need to give it to the next one mm -hmm. and they forget half of it or they add something to it and this is what happens in, in real life you just said this company you have been working with they claim no one has time to think about I'm sorry to say this is 
this is BS in, in my opinion. Everyone has enough time to, to think about if you if you make time for it. And that is the essence of of the listening and the trust building. Well, I think in that situation, I don't think it's that people don't think they have time. I think it's just people get so busy they don't realize. I don't think people always realize that they're not giving them they're not giving each other a space to think because we're kind of going from one thing to the other. You know, we just came from one meeting. We have back-to-back meetings. We're going from one topic to the other. And, you know, even the brain has a hard time switching from one, you know, one topic to the other, one situation to the other. We don't give ourselves even that time to switch. And so there's a lot that's missed out upon, or, you know, there's, there's something that happens in that, in that process. Um, Except for even even when you're speaking, you're you know you you have a slower pace to your tone of voice. You have a you take time to say what you want to say, you know. And I wonder, and I was wondering, have you always been like that, or is that something that you developed over time? Yeah, it's an interesting observation. You're not the first telling me this, and I cannot really, I don't really know whether this was always the case, but. As you have not been the first individual to tell me that, and I've received the feedback prior, you become more conscious about it. And as I became more conscious about it, I realized that it is an important way for me to exactly do what we have been talking about, trying not to rush through something, trying to give your own thinking enough time, even as you speak, trying to sometimes go into a little feedback loop, even with yourself, let alone that you, that I'm trying to do that with my conversation partner. So it might be that this more conscious reflection about it has led to a slower pace in speaking and not only the listening, or let's say the listening has been influencing my speaking and, and my my telling. There's a, some material uh, by a, a marketing professor at the, uh, I think it's the, it's called Western Michigan State University. It's a very small university. And there is a, a gentleman teaching called uh, Jim Eckert, and he has published a few a few very, very interesting one-pages about negotiation and about listening and very small comments, very, very right-to-the-point aspects. And and one of his, his um, material is talking about there is a responsibility behind the saying, I understand. Mm. And I really love that. Because even if we are talking about questioning, asking, listening, developing, connecting, developing, there is this understanding in between. And, it, and it's kind of an, an overarching aspect of it. And it is truly a responsibility of individuals in conversations to achieve understanding. And this only happens if you reflect and if you ensure and if you adjust and if you come back and repeat and make sure that it is still valid. Yeah. 
I love that. And to our earlier point, to our earlier point, we said sometimes the practice I'm, uh, I have applying a lot, you walk away with a common understanding, but it is important then to start the next conversation in repeating it. Why? Because things could have changed. And what we, what we both agreed on was mutual understanding a week ago might have changed. So don't assume that once you have achieved this understanding, it will stay forever. It won't. Because all our life circumstances and the business circumstances are a moving target. We know that. And new things could have happened. So I need to start over and reassure and again ask, listen, and understand before I move forward. You know, that's, that's um, in terms of asking questions, you know, often people ask, did you understand? The person could say yes, but that doesn't mean we really know what they understood. And um, so my question for you, how do you check in to make sure that also the other person understands you? In principle, it's, it's the flip side of it. So, um, of course, you cannot, you cannot force it. But as you rightfully said, to ask, did you understand and you get a yes or no is not good enough. Why is it not good enough? Because it's a classical example for a closed question. Mm -hmm. So in order to achieve that, you need to start with an open question. And this is what I'm doing when I do reflective listening. I'm saying, am I correct if I assume that the main issue you have today with the delivery of this product is actually the lead time? And the person might say, yes or no, but then you continue in that conversation and go further and do what is often referred to as hypothesis-based selling. You can say, if we would work on our lead times and would come to a different planning scenario, how can you help me in achieving a better match between your expectations and my deliveries. And here I'm opening it up and incorporating the other person into the conversation with an open question. And hopefully we will get a step further in building a solution. And the end of this part of the conversation might say, I have now understood that this could be a potential solution. Let me go back to my organization and double check if we can achieve that. Would that be appropriate for you? And then you end up, you leave, you double check, you come back and you start there again. Yes, that's, and it's important to do the follow, you know, following through the, making sure there's a constant feedback loop back in terms of what you say you'll do and what will, what comes back. And that's part of this relationship management, building trust over time, because they know that when you say, can I check in and I'll get back to you and you've done that before, then they know that you'll do it again, right? And if in the past you've shown that you really are trying to understand and trying to work, 
to work with the situation even as it changes over time, then they'll know that you're you will continue to do the to the best of your ability. And that makes a difference. So I have a question. With all of this, you know, of what you've been learning about listening in your work, if you remember back then, when you first, your eyes were first open and you look at where you're at now and, you know, over, over that time period, you know, you've lived in different countries, different cultures, um, worked in diverse environments, also under, you know, a lot of pressure. What do you even know now that maybe you didn't know before and that could be important for either individuals or, or upcoming leaders to know? What I have observed is an unfortunate move, maybe we call it move, I don't know, I don't have a better term, to an automization and digitization of, of activities in the business world. And I, I'm observing a lot of activities around this digital hype which is mainly focusing on, on transactions. And it's, that's all fine. I'm not criticizing that, or I'm not, I'm not saying companies, organizations shouldn't do that. Of course, we have to do it. We are living in a digital world and we have to, to find ways of optimizing that. But, and this is where, where I'm going, this is good maybe for, you can argue, a third, maybe a half, at most of activities you have in a, in a business context, certainly not for more. And there have been studies done on that. The other half remains, you can say remains analog or at least remains much more relationship type than transaction type. And guess what? If everything would go well, in brackets, it won't, but let's assume it would, we all will work on this remaining 50%. So the remaining 50% becomes the new 100%. And that's relationships again. So we can all concentrate, hopefully, if everything would go well with digitization, even more on those very important relationships and apply asking, listening, connecting, developing, understanding as the overall umbrella mm -hmm. to those relationships. And that to me is, is a tremendous opportunity as we are digitalization all the transactions to get deeper and to get better and to get more intense in those relationships and the skills required to do so. So if you would imagine a world where we really dive in and develop those skills, and we do that with each other in the business world, you know, if you, if you can imagine where that, that well, what, what did you say? The next 50% turns into the 100%. And we really dive into that in a deeper way and practice that and get in, in a more intense way. What can you imagine how that would uh, make a difference in terms of business outcomes? It can make a significant difference. And I give you one example, an example I'm, I'm using often when I'm giving a presentation, um, when I'm teaching at a class at university, uh, because I, I experienced it personally. It's, it's something which, which you can read about, but I was in a fortunate position 
to experience um, this and it relates to the connect and the develop and, and this is where your question is targeting the quality of, of relationships connect and develop is a term which has been kind of coined in the late 90s early 2000s in the industry i was working um, for and and we both worked for the same company at the time in the home and personal care market by procter and gamble and procter and gamble the, was in a in a difficult financial situation and they realized in order to grow they have been growing tremendously they were the number one fast-moving consumer good company at the time but the pace of growing slowed down and they they realized we need so much more innovation we cannot do that with our seven and a half thousand r d people any longer we need to get all the brains from the outside working with us. We need the suppliers, we need the universities, we need the startups. We need everyone thinking with us and for us to create innovations. And this is where Connect and Develop started. Open innovation, they called it, and it became the mantra for them. A.G. Lefley, the CEO at the time of Procter & Gamble, set a target of having in five years at the time, 50% of new products innovation from the outside. And it was, it was, I mean, it cracked the entire organization and it was a, a totally different way of, of doing business. But what it required um, amongst many other things was the ability between organizations to work together and to develop relations and to develop business. And we, being a supplier to Procter & Gamble and quite a new kid on the block at the time, were in the midst of that and were able to develop business with them because of that. And no one was really thinking at the time what these skills are you need in your own sales and key account organization for which I was responsible. and what Procter needed on their purchasing supply R&D side. But we found each other through many backs and forth and, and we created business together. And this open innovation, this, this working relationships opening up between companies is nowadays, now we are talking about 20 years later, everywhere. Yeah. Every organization in today's world has recognized that they need these intensified relationships from end to end in their value chain or in their supply chain to have these bridge building, connecting business relationships, which ultimately should help each side. We are back to the very beginning of our conversation to create what is often referred to as a win-win because both can prosper and both can develop something out of that. So it is absolutely vital and essential, back to your question, to gain, mutually gain something out of that. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, just a little side comment that um, this listening piece, when people listen to each other well, and you build that trust and people feel safe with each other, then we become more creative. Then it's more possible to listen to each other's perspectives so that maybe new perspectives come out of those differing perspectives, which is where innovation comes from, right? Making those connections that maybe once we move out of our my way, your way to this new way, 
So, so I love what you're saying and how that on a really practical level, it's the asking, listening, and then connection and then development, you know? So, so bringing that full, the full circle of how the process of asking and listening is actually a very active and intense process that leads to something, leads in a direction. It's not something where we just, you know, hang it out and <laughs> let things float away, right? You actually do something with what happens in that, that partnering in the conversation and where does it take us? It's a very creative process. Often in trainings, particularly on the sell side, equally on the buy side, which is nothing else than, than the flip side of doing business with each other. There are these terms of pain points and mm -hmm. unmet needs. So you want to understand what the other person's pain point is in order to hopefully help and tailor a solution. But often these pain points are not obvious. They are hidden. And even the person representing the organization having some kind of pain is unable to articulate what that pain is. And then we can get quickly to those unmet or not spoken out issues which are there. And again, the open question asking, the listening, the ensuring that there is some understanding is the starting point for developing a solution in that context. And, and I would always argue, you need to spend the vast majority of your time in this discovery phase of that relationship. And again and again, as we said earlier, loop back and forth to ensure that, yeah, we are on the same page. No, we have not yet gotten to the real issue, what we have, we need to do it over and over again before rushing way too quickly, which happens way too often to a solution side, which ultimately turns out not to be a solution. So it's an exploratory exercise. And in that exploratory exercise, you need those skills, you need those listening skills and the reinsuring and the reflecting listening aspect of it. And what you're saying is really important that perhaps even the person that you're partnering in, in this conversation or in this business may not be fully able to articulate well what their pain points are. And so this process is not only about you understanding them, but it's also helping that person to possibly understand themselves or understand the organization. So the understanding goes much more beyond my understanding you or you understanding me to how can we understand ourselves in this context, in this process with perhaps even unknown circumstances or pain points, or even we don't even know exactly how the future will be seen and how do we work within that context to create innovation or to create new ideas or new solutions. And we're still building our relationship in the meantime, right? In the process. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You you get to know each other. That's that's obviously the human side of it, and and that is an exciting component of it too. And yeah. and uh, to your points, this is why again the business world is merging more and more with psychology, with neuroscience, 
because it is not a rational, straightforward, um, perfect information world. It is not. The orange quarrel is the perfect example. It's, it's incomplete information on each side. It's discovery to find out what the other person's pain points or needs are. It's listening to what has been said. It's understanding and reinsuring. And then after all of that, the step to the solution is often easy and quick. But if you don't do your homework up front and you do it diligently, you're going to rush and you're going to miss the point. What advice would you give to someone just getting started? I would say, as very often in, in different parts of, of our lives, it starts with the awareness of what we have been just talking about. And everyone has different ways of self-awareness and practicing that you you just realized in our conversation because you listened very well that one way for me is to speak relatively slow and to pause in between because it helps me to organize myself someone else might have totally different ways of doing that someone puts a checklist beyond the screen of the laptop or the computer and looks at it 10 times a day or whatever it might be but but based on a self-awareness of those aspects we have been talking about, seek out for training opportunities. And when I'm talking about training opportunities, I'm talking about training you can go to, hopefully within your organization. These are always the best, in my opinion, if an organization is willing to invest in training and engaging itself. I, I always felt the best trainings for my people were the trainings where I participated personally because it, it's my engagement and it's, it's my desire to be with my teams when we do trainings. But if an organization doesn't have the means to do that, is maybe too small, doesn't have the leverage, seek outside and there are fantastic training modules at universities in in postgraduate programs uh, harvard I, I just looked at it the other day for a different reason the harvard business and the harvard law school have outstanding classes on negotiation and training and one might say oh god harvard it's Fifty thousand dollars. It's not. There's a lot of stuff available, even free online and and then. But it doesn't have to be Harvard. Can be many business schools. So that is that is one recommendation. And the second recommendation is practice, practice, and practice <laughs> each yes. and every day. Each and every day. And it is sometimes maybe a little bit more effort and might not lead particularly for people who might not be patient enough and and i have to admit in the first place i'm not the most patient person but i i realized over time much better off if i train myself being more patient and spending so much time more in that initial 
phase as we talked earlier before trying to rush through something and experiencing it and while you are practicing seek feedback seek feedback of your conversation partner and don't be shy in asking don't be shy in asking did you enjoy our conversation what have you taken out of our conversation if i come back next time what would you like me to do maybe differently than today these kind of questions show that it is important for you that the other person feels comfortable not only content wise but also as an individual as a human being as a person as a person seeking to be understood and this practice there's no equivalent for doing this this practice and sometimes which i have been very fortunate in my early days of my career when i started in sales i had people who were much senior than i had been at the time who were kind of a coach and a mentor who traveled with with me who observed when i was in an in interaction with a customer or a supplier and later on gave me feedback on that yeah, so that's great this constant practice and feedback loop is is what brings you forward so jürgen with our conversation and in this podcast how um yeah how do you feel with this conversation well i feel i feel hurt hurt in h e a r d not in h u r t <laughs> i i feel hurt i i feel understood and that makes me feel good and i'm happy i'm very very happy that i had the opportunity in talking about this because it is a it's a passion for me and and i have seen so many things going going wrong because of not applying it but i remember much more those things which went well because of these aspects and the more people listen to this and i think your podcast is a fantastic platform for getting so many people you are talking to with so many different versatile backgrounds addressing the importance of that of that topic that more and more understand it practice it and get better in it so yeah i could not have could not have been better for me happy that to have you on this podcast thank you jürgen and if you want people to contact you what's the best way well the easiest way with i guess most of us is linkedin so i'm on linkedin there is an email address um, i also have a a website with my own um, background and a little bit of what i'm i'm teaching and writing about also doing some consulting and coaching that is www.bxb-exchange.com great we'll put that also in the notes of the podcast notes for anybody who wants to check out or get in touch with jürgen and it's been a pleasure jürgen thank you so much for being on this uh, podcast with me so we can have a conversation about listening thank you very much I am your host, Raquel Ark from Listening Alchemy, and I hope you are inspired by this episode of Listen In. 
and find one person today to practice your listening superpower. Please subscribe and like this podcast and share it with others so we can catalyze a listening movement together. A big thank you to Evo Tiemann for producing the music and Cecilia Mercado for getting this podcast set up. Find more information at www.listeningalchemy.com. Enjoy listening in.